Welcome to Meet the Entrepreneurs, your weekly podcast dedicated to sharing inspiring business success. I'm your host, Jackie Cameron. In this episode, we meet Monica Singer, the chartered accountant who radically overhauled the financial markets in South Africa and is now working on transforming its entire digital economy. Uruguay-born, Monica Singer introduced electronic settlements to South Africa's financial markets. She left when she realized that blockchain would radically overhaul the world and the Johannesburg Stock Exchange Board wouldn't listen to her pleas to revamp its business model. Today, the former World Bank consultant and director of the SA Institute of Chartered Accountants is building consensus in Southern Africa's biggest economy. Consensus is the world's leading Ethereum software company. Ethereum is the largest programmable blockchain in the world, and Consensus plans to be at the forefront of the digital economy of tomorrow. I think the tide is finally turning. I think that people are finally understanding that blockchain is not Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. Because before, I used to present, and I had to mention Bitcoin. You had to talk about the white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto. You have to introduce the white paper because the white paper is what did the paradigm shift for the world in terms of this new reality that is coming into the world. So you have to talk about it. But the moment I mentioned Bitcoin and Satoshi, the CEOs would leave the room. And they'll start screaming, this is a scam and this is rubbish and blah, blah, blah. And I said, guys, can you please at least let me finish the presentation and you'll hear how the technology that Satoshi explained what's coming to the world, it's going to change your business. Okay. And most of them would say, this is too difficult to comprehend, even though I, I think I explained it in plain English, I assure you. But what happens is, Jackie, this is a massive paradigm shift. You have to understand that I worked for 20 years converting the financial markets from pure physical to digital. So, so the whole idea was to eliminate paper inefficiencies. And South Africa, before I joined the project that I did called Straight, was categorized as the worst financial market in the world for operational settlement risk. And then we implemented these changes and then we became the top financial market you can check my my arguments here uh, with the world economic forum for many years we were the top financial market amongst uh, hong kong and singapore for our regulation auditing standards um, uh, and efficiencies the way that i did it was to centralize so I created a company called Straight, which is called the Central Securities Depository. That means that every single trade on the stock exchange and not on the stock exchange for money market instruments will have to go via this company. So Straight receives all the trades for the buy and the sell. It's able to determine if the electronic shares are there, if the cash is there, and then we do the delivery versus payment connected to the central bank. So the whole idea is that Straight keeps the central record of all the investors in the country and everything is centralized. And then Satoshi says, I don't know how much you know about Satoshi, but Satoshi is a, is a name that is, it's a pseudonymous. It's a, a person, a group of people, we don't know who they are. And you could see that it was, he created this idea as a result of the financial crisis in 2008. The paper gets released in Halloween of 2008, 
and the technology goes live in 2009, and it does a complete change in paradigm. It says you do not resolve the problems of the world by centralizing. You resolve the problems of the world by decentralizing the records. I'm a chartered accountant, so imagine, for me, was the massive paradigm shift because in 500 years ago, Pacioli invented double entry, journal entries, and now Satoshi is saying you don't have any more the need for a double entry journal entry. You will have now the ability that all the parties in a transaction will record the journal entries at the same time. They will have a shared version of the ledger, one ledger, but decentralized. So everybody keeps the ledger and everybody can check the same ledger at the same time. Therefore, there's no need for reconciliation. Therefore, the trust will not be reliant on human beings. For example, I'm a trained auditor. The poor, I call it the poor auditor. It's expected to come a year later to check the books and records after who knows what to, uh, takes place in a company. If you have collusion, you will be able to cook the books to any extent that you want to. If you, if you really have bad intent and your internal controls are poor, the poor auditor will never pick it up. And the sad part is that they always blame the auditor when something goes wrong. And that's when Satoshi says, guys, can we stop doing the same things and expect a different result? So this paper, which I really recommend everybody that's listening to this uh, podcast will read the paper. It's nine pages. Keep the math if you don't have a math inclination. But just absorb the philosophical principles that were um, explained in this document where it says for every transaction you should really have a shared version of the truth and therefore it should be real time. The trust, we're going to build it in the computer. How? We're going to create this mathematical formula that will prevent anybody from cheating. Because now you're going to use the internet, you're not going to use mainframes and swift messages and all these uh, separate databases, you're going to use the internet. And therefore, the risk is that you have, it's called the double spin challenge, that I can send you a, a, a picture and you can then send that picture to everybody else. And that, if you're talking about money, that's not good enough. So in this mathematical formula, it prevents cheating. And also it has what is called an immutable record. Once you create the ledger entry for the blockchain, nobody can uh, amend it. If you make a mistake, you have to do an equal and opposite transaction. And then it's called a blockchain because it's like blocks of data that get created and then they are linked by a hash. So, so each block gets defined as a mathematical number and then it, that number gets transferred to the next block. So that means that if you amended any information in any block, that hash gets amended and therefore everybody will know that you have done changes and therefore you cannot do changes and therefore it, it, it is an ideal technology for for example for track and trace for supply chain for trade finance because it, it really enables all the parties to a transaction to have real-time information in one version of the truth and as you know it can be absolutely um, using mobile technology because this is the internet of value when I read Satoshi's paper in 2015, I started crying. I thought after 20 years of centralizing the technology and not achieving certain things that I wanted to achieve, I'll give you an example. Today, the listed companies cannot see real time who's buying and selling their shares. 
For example, the investors cannot see real time their positions, their statements. If they have more than one broker, more than one bank, all that information has to be reconciled. Um, the transaction takes three days to settle. There are many intermediaries in the, in the chain from the time you trade to the time you settle. And therefore, all of that at cost. Why? Because we have put our reliance on people and not on the, on the technology. And Satoshi changes that paradigm and says, reliance on people doesn't work. The reliance on auditors does not work for that specific purpose. The auditor should be more technically orientated and the technology should have all the controls to ensure that fraud and corruption doesn't take place. So can you see how, um, for me, it was a massive um, aha moment because of my work with financial markets and having hit a wall after trying my very best to do the best for South Africa, I was still not able to achieve certain uh, milestones. And I knew that if, if, you, if I carried on trying to do the same, I would never get a different result because centralization doesn't give you that opportunity. And then I read Satoshi's paper and the answers were there. And I thought, that's it. I'm living straight. I don't want to be the CEO of a company that I don't believe in it any longer. Let me go and join a company that is creating the new financial markets, the new opportunities for the world uh, to transform in something that will be transparent, eliminate corruption, reduce uh, costs. You know, the efficiencies are enormous. You know, I give you an example at straight. Every time we implemented any changes to the technology, which is based on mainframes uh, and swift messages, it will take two to three years at least to do changes. The technology we implement with blockchain at consensus, it will take us, what, 12 weeks? 12 weeks! And I go into state of shock when I see my, my colleagues implementing amazing functionality technology with um, in 12, 12, 14 weeks, we use um, Agile, we use uh, remote work. And why is that? Because the Internet of Value called Ethereum, the platform consensus uses, um, has got all the tools have been built. You know, I'm not a techie, I'm a chartered accountant. So, so when I ask the techies, how did you do this? It's like magical. And they said, Monica, because we don't have to build the technology stack. That has already been built. The only thing we do is we, are, we take the technology like a Lego. You know, you take little pieces of Lego, we put it together, we create an app, we give it to you, and then you start, as a client, you start playing with it. As you play with it, you tell us what you like, what you don't like. We have an agile process of improvement. We improve it as we go, and then 12 weeks later, more or less, you'll have technology to play with. So, um, so if that's not magical, I don't know what is magical. Plus the fact that you have to understand that this technology not only tokenized, tokenization means it, uh, to record in a digital form any type of asset. So all assets in the world will be tokenized. So there will be a digital representation in the internet of these assets. Okay. So not only you have the token of the asset, you'll have the token of the fiat. The fiat is the currency issued by a central bank, and that achieves delivery versus payment in real time without intermediaries. And then the most important thing, which I know, I'm sure you heard this debate, one of the biggest problems in the world today is hacking. The beautiful thing of this technology is that because the ledger is now not a honeypot, it's not in one place, and therefore which enables the hackers to go into 
you know, and hack it, and, and who knows what it could happen to that database. What happens is that because the ledger is now distributed, it's, it could be everywhere. It could be everywhere in every in every server in the world, or it could be in some. You can choose. You can be in the cloud, and and it's and this and the ledger is duplicated. So if a hacker wants to hack and really try to amend this ledger, it's going to have to hack 51% of all the copies of this ledger that exists um, in the internet. So it's quite much more uh, challenging to do so. Um, so that's why I really believe that this is the technology of the future. And many countries in the world, of course, are implementing this. South Africa is only now slowly, very slowly, coming to the conclusion that that we should be doing this. And I tell you personally, Jackie, that really breaks my heart. I've been saying this, as I said, since 2017. You know, when I see what's happening with the pandemic and what's happening with the people that have to collect the grants, the SASA grants, and to see them sleeping in the floor outside a post office to get payment, it's like a crime against humanity. Because think about it, three years ago, that SASA grant could have been automated real time, very simply, in the blockchain, very simply. The, the motor vehicle licenses that people have to stand in queues to pay, that's also another crime. There the, the are so many, uh, the, to see the, 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 what has happened in, in our borders with Zimbabwe and the queues and the delays because the technology doesn't work. When all of that can be automated, the, the level of corruption that we still have, Jackie, that's unacceptable because if you implement this technology, and really, I'm not kidding, let's say it will take, let's say it takes six months to implement. You can have a complete transparent procurement process where nobody's gonna be able to steal anything because you even will be able to have the pictures of the people that approve every step of the process. And every taxpayer will be able to see where the money goes, how the procurement processes happen. All of that for me, it's killing me because I know that we have implemented that technology somewhere in the world where governments are committed to fighting corruption and, um, and bringing efficiencies into their own countries. So that is something that uh, it's so simple to implement. It just requires the, well, the, the, the goodwill, the, the, the commitment, the wanting to make a difference. And the most beautiful thing is that this technology is not even expensive. That's the most, for me, it's incredible. When I know how much I pay for the technology we implemented at Stride, and I compare how much it costs to implement this type of technology, it's really, um, it's incredible. And, and, and why? Because we're talking the internet. So what needs to happen for South Africa to be brought up to speed? Because it sounds like this could actually solve so many of the country's problems and in so doing, boost the economy, change people's lives. I know. You know, thanks God, there has been, um, I don't know if you he heard about SAMBA, it's the South African National Blockchain Association, and they fall under the um, science and technology uh, division of uh, the government. And they are really very beautiful people that are really trying their best to drive uh, projects, but they haven't been allocated real budget. So at, at this stage, they're looking at more um, track and trace for agricultural products. But the truth be told is that what we really should be doing, and, and I've got these amazing documents written by the government of the UK, for example, where the government takes a holistic view, department by department, eh? I'm not kidding, from health to education, to motor vehicles, to you name it, and it 
it gives you how they're going to do it, how they're going to implement blockchain, and by when, and who's going to be responsible. And the other country that has totally done this is China. China, you don't understand what China is doing. China has committed 100% to blockchain to the extent that, I don't know if you heard, have you heard the term central bank digital currencies? Okay, this is the most incredible thing that is coming to the world. So in a nutshell, it's technology that is going to be very simple to operate with your cell phone, and it will replace, if you want to, the use of cash. Every human being will not have to even go to a bank. The central bank, imagine, as you know, in banking, when you put your money with a bank, you're giving them an IOU, okay? The money truly gets used by the banks to do their own business, and they use your funds for that. And that's why banks need to be regulated to ensure that even though they're using your money, your deposit, they will be able to pay them back if they have to, no? Remember, South Africa doesn't have a deposit insurance, which makes matters even more complicated, okay? So it exposes the depositors to huge risks, okay? As we know, you know, I can tell you the list of all the bank failures and how people have lost their money. So what actually happened is that, um, I, I don't know if you heard about um, Facebook, Facebook came up with this concept that they want to now issue a digital currency so that if you are a Facebook user, Instagram or WhatsApp, you'll be able to do e-commerce using their coin, okay? This created incredible angst amongst the central banks because they realized that Facebook controls 2.3 billion people through, you know, Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp, and therefore imagine that 2.3 billion people in the world stop using the fiat currency and therefore it will have a, a massive impact on the abilities of central bank to um, define monetary policy. 2016, I think it was, I went to a, a conference of central banks that we were hosting in South Africa and I told them that this was coming and I told them that the, the use of cash will decrease and they all thought that I was smoking Dacha or something. So I didn't become very popular, <laughs> trust me, you know, but everything I said in 2016 it's happening today, you know. Um, I never expected a pandemic, actually, never. But imagine, who's using cash at the moment? Everybody wants to go totally digital. So this central bank digital currency is going to be a liability on the central bank. So you know very well from finance that a liability on the central bank, it has a higher le uh, level of security and less risk than a liability on the commercial bank that you choose to deposit your money. So if we have... Uh, a currency called central bank digital currency with a liability with the central bank, you are now protected because, as you know, the central bank is the lender of last resort and therefore this currency will be electronic and therefore all your transactions will be totally electronic and you will be able to do business. Imagine an, a, a small medium enterprise being able to use this currency to do business with anybody because it will be totally digital, totally electronic, and, and it's in the internet, so there won't be any limits as to who you'll be able to transact, except for the fact that it depends how each central bank decides to implement these central bank digital currencies. So coming back to China, China has already implemented this because they were feeling a little threatened by the Alipays and the WeChats, and, you know, and therefore they wanted to bring back control over the use of uh, payments in the country. So they're going to try to use this as to increase the influence of the Rambi in the world. And I wouldn't be surprised if in future transactions with China will 
require that you will have to transact using that currency. So the world of central banks have woken up that they have to look at this. And that's going to be a game changer because in reality, it will then ensure that, for example, as I said, the grants or all these things that are paid or today um, you know, in cash by standing in a queue, that is going to disappear. Um, in our language, we, we call it helicopter money. Helicopter money is what America is doing today to pay uh, people because of COVID uh, an allowance. So the government puts money into the account, but the sad part is in America still the technology is, is behind and therefore they had to issue checks and put it in the post to get the money to the people, which is also ludicrous that this is happening today. What about South African companies? How prepared are they then to do global trade? Number one, Jackie, is number one, I've been saying this forever, it's education. Because Jackie, the truth be told is that, yes, I can explain it in plain English, but it's a massive paradigm shift. It's like if I told you today, look, uh, I want to introduce you Mr. Alien, okay? And you say, but I always thought there were, there were no aliens and, and you have to deal with this alien and you don't know where to begin because your paradigm has been broken, no? That's how big this change is, you know, it's huge. And the other question is, do you really believe in transparency? Because this technology is very transparent. I'll give you an example. Anybody that transacts in Bitcoin, it's very easy to see who's transacting on Bitcoin, you know, because the ledger, the blockchain is very transparent. So you have to embrace technology change and the philosophy of, um, yeah, being transparent, non ah, and give up the intermediaries. Imagine I've given presentations where I have shown that if you engage in this technology, you won't need your back office. So then the CEO will say, no, I'm not ready to, you know, have to ask my back office uh, to make them uh, redundant, you know, so that's another challenge, you know, the, the human aspect, because this technology uh, relies on the technology, not so much on people in back office, paper shuffling, using Excel spreadsheets, do, do, doing reconciliations, sending each other's emails, making phone calls, faxes, and I hope nobody's using a telegram anymore. So, um, no, I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah, oh, facts, no, but, but I'm not joking, you know why? Because five years ago, I gave a presentation to the registrar of title deeds. And I said to her, what if, in the same way we dematerialized the shares and we created the electronic record for the financial markets, what if we now create the same concept for title deeds? We dematerialized, we created the electronic database so that we can speed up the process of transfer of, of ownership of property. And after my presentation, she says, sorry, I'm not interested. We are microfishing the title deeds. Do you wow. know what microfish is? I'm old enough to know, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Ask a 30-year-old, they won't know. They look at you like you're kidding me. When you tell them what a microfish is, they're going to tell you you are totally smoking something. So lots of jobs are going to go once this gathers steam in South Africa, but presumably there are some in opportunities for new jobs. Yes, so they, exactly. So what we always say that we build in this technology, not for the baby boomers, okay, really, we are just history because we refuse to learn new things. This is the technology that will be totally normal for our children and our grandchildren because they would have been uh, internet natives and therefore for them it's going to be like, 
oh, of course, mom, no brainer. They will never say to stand in a queue in a branch at a, at a bank. It's going to be like, what's that? All the things that, um, that the baby boomers cannot tolerate, our children will embrace completely. So I constantly say, I'm not building this technology for anybody above 50 because they refuse to learn something new. I really wonder how many people, you know, I've given presentations to large, very intelligent audiences, um, audiences, you know, chartered accountants, engineers, and I always ask the question, please raise your hand who's read Satoshi's paper. If I get two people raising their hand, it's too many in an audience of 400 people. What is that? That's ridiculous, you know? Um, so, so what I'm saying is that if we don't start by educating ourselves, and all this information is in the internet, nothing is secret, nothing, you don't need to go to university to learn. I've learned through my own initiative from reading, I've read everything, I read everything. If you're a CEO baby boomer, let's say you're over 50, and you don't cope with this, then appoint a group of young people in your company that will then be given the permission to innovate and to establish a strategy for this technology and, and get out of the way. You know what, I think that this is the year that something has changed. Um, because we have gone through a pandemic, we have realized that working remotely, working electronically, working more efficiently is the way forward. I always say a, a, a crisis shouldn't be wasted. And, and clearly I can see that something has changed. Something, people are thinking a little bit different. And maybe I hope that um, I can, uh, you know, come back to your show in a year's time and give you all the good news about all the projects that we are implementing in South Africa. That was Monica Singer chatting to me, Jackie Cameron, your host of Meet the Entrepreneurs. She was talking about the blockchain revolution and how she's on a campaign to get business leaders in Southern Africa to understand how the technology is transforming the global digital economy. And that's all we've got time for in this episode. Until next time, 